Hi, I'm Laura Boswell. And I'm Peter Keegan. And there's the talented Mr B on sound. Welcome to Ask an Artist. Need help to take the leap and become a working artist? The sort that actually gets to make art and pay the bills at the same time? We're both that sort of artist. We pay our bills and we do it by making art. Every week we'll be using our personal experience to give help and advice in making art your proper job, whatever your family and friends may say. We'll be here to tackle everything from finances to finding a gallery, self-doubt to social media, the everyday practical stuff every artist needs to make a go of their art career. So just who are we to be offering all this advice? In this episode, we're going to look at how Peter has become a successful portrait painter and the director of the Courtyard Art Studio, the art school where we both teach. So, Peter, have you always been interested in art? Were you artistic from the beginning or was this something that kicked in later? Uh, No, I was definitely one of those children at school that was always the one drawing in the book when they perhaps should have been working <laughs> and studying very hard. No, I've always been arty. It's always been recognised at home that, uh, you know, the, the presents for Christmas and birthdays I always asked for were the, the, the art sets and the oh, colouring right. gear. So your parents that, were so. supportive, were they? they were oh, yeah, very much. So, yeah, they always were happily sort of... I, I did not... Uh, lack for art materials and, and content and stuff. I think the other thing as well, I was... I, I'm a very creative individual, so I, I not only am I artistic, but I'm a, a bit musical. I love theatre and dance and drama. Mm. Anything that I would mm. sort of put under the bracket of creative arts was something that I've always had a huge leaning towards and a real desire to be involved with. And I think the reason that happens is because I'm not academic. I, I'm, I'm partially dyslexic, which was only picked up when I was at university, actually. Right. Right. Um, okay. But I struggled, you know, I wasn't severely dyslexic that I was held back. Mm. And it was noticed. It was just in that kind of mild category where right. I found it naturally very difficult. I had to but work incredibly hard. But oh. art was the thing that, yeah, I was I was good at. It, and it, I was noticeably good at in art class. I remember, I think when I was in, I think it was year seven or eight in, in secondary school, I went to an all boys comprehensive uh, school. So it was very, it was very rough. It was very focused on maths and games and science with the things I weren't, I wasn't particularly driven on. But I remember one time, I think the art teacher, I think her name was Mrs. Kavanagh, gave, set us some homework and she asked us to draw our, one of our shoes. That was our homework, just, just the shoe. And I, uh, you know, I thought I really lapped that up and I went home and I drew not just the sort of the, the, the side or the front of it, but I drew the sole of it. And the sole of my shoe had this incredibly intricate rubber pattern on. I thought that was really mm. fascinating. And I drew it with, I think, you know, the hate, the really dark pencils mm. and shading. And I spent a good few hours, as I always did on art stuff at home. And I came back to school and we were all showing it. And it was clear that I was the only one that probably did the homework, but yeah. gave it that amount of time. Yeah. And I remember uh, that art teacher... Uh, you know, pointed this out as, wow, this is fantastic and gave me a packet of pencils as a kind of, you know, well done, have a little prize. And I'm an artistic little being through and through. So did it seem a natural step to go to art school? Yeah, very much so. How did that work? So I did did the usual thing uh, uh, that most people do these days. So I did GCSEs and I did all the normal ones and then I did the bio subjects of Mm. of the creative. So I did uh, drama and design technology and art and then I did a levels mm-hmm. uh, of which I did art and I spent most of my time in the art um, the, the sixth form had their own little art space and I just lived oh, in I that. Oh I can relate to that. Oh yeah, yeah. and I just just <laughs> you know any opportunity to be in there I was and I just produced work and, and work and work and I, looking back on it now I, I did 
so much stuff. You know, I didn't just do what was asked. I went above and beyond, above and beyond what was required. But it's what I loved. It's what mm. I sort of had this almost, I suppose, an escapism, I guess, into mm. it. I knew I was good at it. I loved it. I found it fascinating. I also found it hard and that challenge. I was really lucky to have a great teacher. Mm. His name was Mr. Longdon. And Gary, so if Gary you're Longdon. out there, Mr. Longdon, yeah, do get in touch. Absolutely. I'd love just to catch up with uh, with Garfield Longdon. But he was he he was a great artist. I'm sure you wouldn't mind me saying he wasn't the best teacher, uh, but he was a superb artist and recognised, I suppose, something, the ability I had. And he saw me one day. I was, think I was doing a portrait even then. And I was faffing with these small paintbrushes, detail, detail. And he came on came over and he, he he took the paintbrush out of my hand. He said, what are you messing about with that for? And I said, I'm trying to do this work. He said, you're stop messing about. And he gave me a three inch oh, wow. build, you know, a mm. household interior mm. brush. And he gave me a big pot of, I think, emulsion paint. He said, stop messing about and just slap a bit of paint on. Fantastic. And I was like, it really fired me up. I was like, fine, I'm going to show him. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And it's going to be rubbish just to prove him that what I was doing was right. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. And I started slapping on this paint and I was like, oh, this is it's a bit fun. It's a bit interesting. And I sort of did a little bit more. And it was one of the best things I'd produced because wow. it was yeah. that challenge. He was very good at kind of challenging and, and identifying that I could be but pushed. But it's interesting that you say you don't think he was a good teacher. I think it was because we were in a busy, comprehensive boys' school where you had all these right. guys causing, you know, I think he spent as much on trying to deal with the behaviour management side of things, which I don't think he was as good at. <laughs> One of his favourite lessons I remember vividly was um, he would line all the boy, he'd, he'd set all the, the tables out in a big square and then he put a table in the middle and he would put a chair on top of that table and he would sit on that chair and the task was to do a drawing of him. Oh, okay, right, so we adopted okay. this observational drawing. Now I love that being a porch artist. I was fine getting away, but it was that he. It was the famous lesson that every boy in the school had done because it's when the, he fell asleep during that. So he'd sit and there so and he'd fall asleep, and then of course the whole class would just disappear except me that would be carrying on, uh, sort of drawing on that. So I'm interested to know how it felt to go from being uh, the artistic one at a school like that to university. How did you settle into being in a group of like-minded people? It was it was quite a shock, I have to admit. I didn't do the foundation course because usually people, if they do a degree in yeah, art, they I did do a foundation. They do a foundation, yeah. which is a great course. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, I've so many people tell uh, say that it's a whole year of in depth learning into so many different. Yeah, facets it's certainly of that's art. my experience. Yeah, right, and yeah. and I've I've so many people talk very fondly about it, but I knew I wanted to be a painter. And I'll go as far as to say I knew I wanted to paint people. I didn't right. quite knew I wanted to be so a painter. So you had a very painter. specific vision quite early on. I think I didn't know I wanted to be an artist, mm. but I knew what I was good at and I knew what I liked. Right. I think that was I think it's very different. So I So you had a a specific goal rather than a vague dream, do you say? I had this itch and curiosity that am I good at this and how good am I at right. this? Okay. And I, it was that kind of, um, I, I suppose there was a competitive nature because mm. I'd always been the best at art in in school and sixth form. And it was a real shock to go to university when I realised I wasn't by a long way. Yeah. Um, I, I was the youngest person on my course because I skipped the foundation, whereas I think almost all the other people on my course had done a foundation. So they had that sort of little bit more, uh, you know, I suppose awareness of what it was like. But it was a real shock 
to be surrounded by some amazing, talented uh, friends, colleagues and peers, who, who some are still good friends now. Um, and I realised it wasn't just me, that yeah, there was the art of work. You're surrounded by a lot art. of people. Yeah. It's, it's a uh, and, awakening. And it was. Uh, and at the, but at the same time, it was so inspiring, you know, seeing, God, look at that, how they're painting, or the way she uses colour, it's fantastic. And that kind of inspired me. And... I think I learned a heck of a lot more on my degree from my peers than I did my lectures. That's interesting. I was going to ask you, do you feel that uh, your degree narrowed your focus or did it open up the possibilities? How did, how do you feel it it went for you, the journey of taking that degree? It was from, I went to Cardiff School of Art, which was a UIC then and now it's Cardiff Met. And it was, it's Cardiff School of Art was known as, as one of the, you know, really good art school. The studios were fantastic. Um, and I think like lots of university experience, I think particularly at the moment um, that they, there's an element of they try and break you down or they try and really yeah. destroy everything you think you know. And, and it really does challenge you. And I found that quite difficult. Mm. Um, the other point is I, because I was so certain to be a representational painter, um, a lot of the time, the emphasis on art was about the concept and the idea and therefore maybe abstract art or installation and so yeah, on. And of course, you, you come to this later than me. This yeah. is more a thing that had developed after I'd left university. Yeah, there, there, there seems to be certainly a move away from, from representationalism. Yeah. Which was fine. I was lucky that actually in my painting department, there was actually quite a large group of people who, of us who were representational painters. So we really did stick together and kind of stick up for ourselves and said to the lecturers, well, hang on a minute, actually, can we get a bit more guidance and advice on the type of thing that we want to yeah. do? Um, and we did. We met with some, you know, really good, well-known artists in, in, in South Wales. Um, and I quickly recognised that I wasn't going to get exactly what I wanted on that degree course, which was how do I become a portrait artist or how do I be an artist? All right, okay. So do you think, um, certainly from what I remember from my university days, there was no suggestion that you might make a living. No, no, not at all. <laughs> no, it was, it, was pure, it was purely about the art, which of course I think it should be, but there was bar one hour seminar in the very last week of the third year, something as vague as that, where it was right, here's what you're going to need to do once you leave tomorrow of to, to be an artist and there was I felt that there, I was very ill prepared for that transition oh, for from sure. the education into the art world if you want to make it as an artist and I kind of recognized that quite early on and started to approach artists whom I had you know real respect for who were portrait artists specifically in the local area and I wrote to them and I said hello I like what you do can I ask you some questions and I was gobsmacked that they all said yes. And they all said, come over for, for coffee or they'd have a phone call, a chat over the phone or an email That's where they really would start to sort of, yeah. sort of to give me the suggestions mm. and the hints and the guidance. I suppose on the community of, of as for me specifically as a, as a mm. portrait painter, that there is that community out there that I didn't feel I had at university as much. I learned a lot of, of um, I mean, the University of Life was invaluable and I met my wife and I met my friends yeah. and training you to leave home into sort of being a, what I call a proper grown up, which I still struggle with that label. Yeah. Um, so that was, was, was fantastic. But in the arts side, it was, it, it was, it was incredibly self-motivating and, and self-driven on my part. So I was going to ask you what steps you took when you left university, but maybe for you, the steps you were taking began at university yeah. and you carried on once you They gone. began, yeah, quite early. So when I was at university, I thought, well, how do you get your work into a gallery? And after sort of 
fumbling around and doing some huge things you shouldn't do, which we will certainly tell you all at home what not to do in regards to approaching a gallery. But I started to sell my work in a commercial gallery in South Wales whilst I was at university. Wow. And the gallery that was showing my work also showed my lecturer's work. Oh, now that's interesting. <laughs> and it was rather interesting in the seminar rooms where the, the lecturers were telling me, oh, you should do this, that and the other. And I'm like, but but my work is on the wall of the gallery that your work is in. In fact, our paintings are next to each other and mine are selling and yours are selling. Isn't that a good thing? Isn't that something to be sort of celebrated? Um and it wasn't as much. It was this oh, sort no, of that's interesting. So you think perhaps their ego got a little bit in the way of recognising your ambition? I think there was an element of I wasn't ready yet. And I was perhaps try. I was aiming. And yet the public obviously thought you were ready well, because was... they were putting their hands in their pockets. Absolutely. And there was, I was picking up commissions as a portrait artist, you know. So in my, my degree show, uh, which is that in the final third year, you put on, you know, your final show where you hope you're going to get discovered and you're going to be rich and successful the rest of your life. Half the paintings I displayed were commissions that I'd already taken up and were paid for. They were just kindly loaning them back. So I already had, when I left university, a list of people who wanted to pick up commissions and, and pick up work. That was, for, for me, fortunately, a very natural transition. I wonder how common transition. that is. I think that's, that's a very impressive thing to have done. That's, I certainly didn't leave with anything at all. No, no <laughs> I, I think it's... I think partly because I was... I had that drive and awareness that I wanted it to work. Sure. And also, I started very early on being aware of the commercial side and the contacts I would need to sort of maintain if I wanted to sell a painting. So where do you think that hard business head came from? I imagine a lot of his ego, <laughs> if I'm being brutally on it. Um, I like the challenge. I like being the good and the best and the kind of the thrill of the chase. But I also oh, yeah, love, yeah. But I also love learning. You know, I, I'm a re- I absorb everything because I find... I find the art world fascinating and I find all areas of the art world fascinating. I, I don't just find me painting and colouring in fascinating. Of course I do, but I find everything around it. So kind of, you know, how you how you run the business, how you present yourself, how you uh, engage with clients. Mm. And so all the things we're going to be talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which are essential. <laughs> and I think that was for me personally, being a portrait painter and a portrait artist, people are my subject. Mm. And I find that, you know, that the rapport with people is, is for me a fascinating part of my own practice as an artist and naturally, coincidentally, gives me wonderful foundations and skills in regards to working with so, people to become an artist. So given all this, I can just assume that it was a smooth, meteoric rise to becoming yeah, yeah. a full-time artist from Not quite, no. It was <laughs> there, were so, there were lots of challenges and bumps in the way. So when I left university, I left university in 2007. Um, I worked, I'd say, probably three days a week as an artist. I had a part-time job. I worked for BBC Wales in the marketing department for the National Orchestra of Wales, mm-hmm. which made sure the bills were paid. Fantastic. I just needed a job, and it turned out that was a really lovely job I was able to apply for one of my other real love is music so that was a, a sort of a, a lovely way of, of engaging with that um, and we did that for a year and then 
like lots of people I, I recommend to do if possible is is to travel so in 2008 uh, my girlfriend wife wife now Kimberly we went traveling around the world so we went to uh, North America went to Australia doing lots of arty things you know we, sure. we, we went to lots of galleries we actually worked in a summer camp in New Jersey oh, wow. for two months which was yeah. one of the most wonderful experiences mm. of my life uh, working at a specialist arts camp teaching mm. young people painting and drawing mm. um, to doing live drawing classes in Melbourne, Australia. And that was, you know, a wonderful time to sort of escape and to sort of evaluate what do I want to do. So um, we came back to the UK in 2009 and uh, we decided to get married and then boring life got in the way, like having to find a house and yeah. jobs and all that sort sure. of stuff. And that's where it really started to challenge the how can I be an artist and have a life you know yeah. and pay for bills and yeah. so on so um i started just doing a bit of artwork on the side just pure, purely for me for, for the pleasure and enjoyment whilst i i worked for an education company mm-hmm. uh, which was really taught me a lot of skills about how to present and how to communicate and talk to children um and then um, i there was a period where i started to get a bit downhearted that I wasn't doing art because I was just working a proper job. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because for some people that's the end of the dream and then they get into what's often called real life, a job mortgage and so forth. And they never go on their way to become an artist, but that's certainly not true of you. There was that path. I could have walked down that path and that very much would and could have happened. But there was something in me that thought, no, I'm I'm an art, I'm an arty person. I can't yeah. not do an arty thing, whether it's working for a, you know, a company or whether it's just working for myself. And uh, Kimberly kind of noticed that you know you're, you're not you're a bit you're a bit grumpy and you're a bit down. You know maybe you should be doing art. And I, I wasn't depressed. I, I don't think I was, but I certainly wasn't happy. Right. And I had this creative itch that wasn't being scratched and wasn't being satisfied. Um, so I. I went to uh, my Kimberly. Tra- uh, Kimberly wants to be a teacher, so while she trained to be a teacher, I supported her through that training. And then when she became a full-time teacher, the household income shift to sort of she was providing right, household okay. income. Right. Okay. So you sort of trained. Yeah. So, so so I was able to go. Well, well, I can maybe not work one day a week now. So I can, and in that one day a week, I went to an art centre in Aylesbury, and it was an open day where you could go in and do some artwork just as a creative you know, practice and I thought well I'll do that and I'll just turn up and I just painted you know by myself in the corner and what I didn't realize what was mm-hmm. going to happen is I was painting with other people mm-hmm. and these are the people with all different ages and backgrounds and experiences and different types of doing art mm-hmm. but I suddenly found other like-minded people mm-hmm. who would who were further down the road than I was or exactly where I was or even behind and it was wonderful. I found a little niche, a pocket of people that I could start talking and relating to. Right. And right. that really gave me that kind of confidence that I'm not alone, that I'm not the only one. But it's one. interesting that what seems on the face of it a very small step in a very local area, nothing very special, is actually very special. Oh, it was, it was, it was I would say, pivotal in me where I am now by... Yeah engaging with my local artistic community which I didn't know was there but they're always sure. there artists sort of get into all these little nooks and crannies out there mm-hmm. where you can kind of meet and engage and and that slowly blossomed that slowly mm-hmm. grew for me uh, to you know first putting some artwork up on the wall of a cafe or doing a local school art fair and picking mm-hmm. up you know a commission and so on and that's sort of how it started to sort of grow I suppose in a mm-hmm. professional capacity um, in, in kind of where I am today really just those well, we, little bits we should tell the listeners because you have quite an empire now I would yeah. say <laughs> it's, it's grown quite nicely so I, I started I, my studio my first studio at home was a porch 
which was a one metre by two metres. I don't think I ever saw the porch. No, you never saw the porch. No, it was just the postman saw the porch because he would shove the letters through. And it was it was a, almost like a conservatory. So I could only paint in specific days when it was cloudy um, and the sun wasn't glaring in my eyes. So it was sort of the evening time, but it was freezing because there was no heating. And then I upgraded from that studio to the uh, uh, the laundry room um, mm-hmm. in, in this little cottage I was in. And I, I could step back two paces and then my backside would be touching the tumble dryer washing machine. So I'd be juddering around. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then when I moved house, I thought, no, we've got to, I've got to take this a little bit more seriously and converted my garage. Oh, now that studio I did see, that was quite classy. Yeah, that, that was, well, it was half, I suppose it was half a garage. <laughs> yeah. The other half had all the, 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 the garage rubbish and junk and bikes and camping stuff. But that was my first little, my little designated space where I could leave it and I could sort of come and go. And by which time I had a young family. So it was the kind of, I could be at home when I need to yeah, be with the children. Sure. And then in between naps or evenings or the odd day where I was able to dedicate, I could pop into my little garage How studio. How did and you find work. that? Because I know for a lot of artists, there is a juggle with young family or caring for family. Um, and it's quite a tricky thing. Yeah, it is. Do it's, you find it easy, the switching on, switching off? Yes and no. I think it, I mean, a lot of it is dependent on the support from your partner if they're able to recognize that you know you need to do something and, and dedicate a little bit of time but for me being a dad is, is is incredibly important and i can't park that responsibility and duty and you know the pure enjoyment of and, sure. of being a father and being involved uh, as much as you can um it, it is as everyone said it is balancing it is constantly balancing and juggling and stealing a little bit of time there and a little bit of time back but i would rather if it if if I was only able to dedicate an hour a week to just doing a little bit of art, I would snatch that and I would utilise that as much as I possibly can. I'd squeeze every bit of that, that hour and then I'd go back into my other duties, whether it's being a dad or whether it was working at that time. I was working as a librarian in a secondary school to ensure that the bills were being paid. Um, and it is it is important to, to balance your family responsibilities. But if you have that support around yeah. you, um, as I did, they recognise mm. that, I needed to have more time to do art and, and other bits and, and that support was there. I think that juggling act is something that we'll definitely be talking about a lot yeah. in for future podcasts. Because it has a huge impact yeah. on everyone, you of know, course. not just your partner and, and the family, but, you know, your your friends and, and relatives, neighbours and parents. It, and they are your biggest fans. They are your, your, If you haven't got that support network around you, it, it can make starting art has been really difficult I think and um, potentially more problems to face if the art of, uh, your art career gets bigger mm. if it's not strong at the start of the foundation it could mm. potentially get more problematic mm. as it goes sure. so from that little garage I took the brave decision to give up work full time and that's quite a big step it was a massive step it was a huge risk kind of financially in the security but we talked about it and we looked we made so many notes of writing our income and outgoings and we what we could compromise on and what we absolutely couldn't compromise on. And it was all, you know, it was mostly spreadsheets and, and, and things on the back of envelopes for us to realise oh, we could do it, but I needed to make X amount for it to work. So um, you were quite hard-headed about that. Did yeah. you have a, a kind of, if this doesn't work, I'll go back to a day job? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. I'm always, I mean, I'm still, I still have that to this day. I, yeah. I still realise that something could happen, whether it's yeah. sort of economical or something closer to home in regards to, you know, ownership or whatever, that sometimes it, something might switch and I'll have to do something else. And I'm aware of that, mm. the fragility, I suppose, of being uh, an independent self-employed artist, but I'm okay with that. 
Yeah. I'm happy. I know it's not stable, but that keeps me on my toes and, and, and yeah. keeps me kind of thinking. No, I'd agree with I don't that. want to relax into something thinking it's going to be an easy ride because it really isn't. It so is. I'm prepared for that to, uh, to stop. But mm. it was a big step, cutting mm. work. But I remember this one, this great conversation with my father. And he said that, he said, if you give, if you give your art job, if you give it two days a week, it will only ever be a two day a week job. He said, if you increase it to three days, he said, on that extra day, you're not just going to sit there doing nothing. You're going to put three days worth of hard work in mm. to recuperate the benefit. Out. And he said, well, it, it's the same if you give up work. Mm. You've got five days a week. Yeah. He said, you're not going to sit on those extra two days expecting all that effort. Like such sound advice. You're going to work all those five days to 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 hopefully you know get the get the income and to get the work out mm. of it, and and not to just expect it to happen. You will work towards it and for it and I suppose I've always had that kind of mentality but he really said something that kind of clicked in my head going yeah you know if I work at it it will work but it sounds to me like you have always had a really healthy relationship with the idea of being a working artist and it being a practical thing to do yeah I mean it it is it is a job it is a hobby and a pastime and and a pleasure and a luxury but it is a job and it is hard work. And even you know, to this day, I spend sometimes as much time on the computer as I do in front of a canvas. But I'm still very fortunate to be where I am. I am also, though, I think I'm one of those rare artists. I think like you, I enjoy the business side of art. I do. Yes, I, you know, I do enjoy it. It is hard and some of it doesn't come uh, comes natural and others don't. But I do enjoy it. It's hard. It's 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 difficult. It's expensive and painful and unpleasant at times. <laughs> it has to be done. But but yeah. sometimes it's incredibly rewarding and it's fascinating mm. and and that that thrill of the chase and the sail and as you're as you're moving around and you're networking, I I do enjoy that a lot, and that sort of led me to take a very bold decision to take up a studio premises which is now at a national trust site in Buckinghamshire uh, uh, my first sort of big proper studio where it is open to the public every day so people can come in and and watch me work and and I have a gallery where I can showcase my work at all times so I've kind of have this if I'm going to do it I'll do it and I'll but I'm doing it in front of everybody both you know both strangers and also my peers and colleagues as artists as well so, Peter, not only have you got this terrific career as a painter, but we also work together because you have an art school. Can you tell us a little bit about That's that? That's right, yes. Yeah. So um, a couple of years ago, we opened, my wife and I opened this art school that we've always dreamt about running. Uh, when we were travelling around the world, we thought it'd be great to have an art school or a place where we can get artists together to learn and to create and showcase artwork. And two years ago, we had that opportunity. A premises became available at Clayton Estate, where my studio is, and we've taken that over and it's... It is the art school where we both teach, where we run Indeed, courses yes. and we get artists from across the UK to come and teach. And students from all over the world now are coming yeah. to learn with us and others about artistic practice. And I mean, for, us, for me, that's really important as an artist, that it's not just about our own individual practice as artists, but it's in, it's encouraging, inspiring other people to to have a go and well, to do it. Well, the whole practice of teaching as an artist is something that we'll cover. But for both of us, I think it's very fundamental to our Absolutely. Art. I think for lots of artists, it is that passing it on is mm. something that uh, is so important. And I certainly feel the weight of the artists in the past mm. who I'm learning from. And if I can do anything to help other artists sort of pursue their individual practice or whether it's their career of being an artist, then that's what the studio is all about. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. So, Peter, it was all about you this week. <laughs> so what's your takeaway? Um, I think it's important to say that 
becoming an artist through the educational route of going through school is perfectly fine and should be supported. But you should also, as that artist, have a strong goal of where you would like to go to and be determined to get it no matter what. Thank you for listening. You can catch up with the stuff we've covered in our show notes at our website at askanartistpodcast.com. And if you could write us a review and subscribe to our podcast, that'll be great and help us to keep helping you. 